Thursday, April 25th, 2019, and you're listening to Last Time on Video Games, the show about retro video games and sometimes some other stuff. You're listening to episode 257. Sonic kind of sucks. Runtime for this episode is 49 minutes. And welcome to Last Time on Video Games, the podcast that's looking better than that Sonic movie. My name is Jeremy. They call me Metatorsals. I'm Tyler. What now? Zach, I will turn this podcast around. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, 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 we started. My name is Zach. Okay, I'll take it. It was was very bad. Uh, We played Sonic 3. Uh, No coincidence. That's uh, actually, now that I think about it, Zach's reaction at the beginning of an episode is really a metaphor for the game. Occasionally, huh? no. Every time, I, I'm sure I could twist it every time. Well, look, you can make any argument you want. Exactly. Uh, Dragon Ball Z is a rejection of trying to come together to work everything, and it supports the Ubermensch theory because anytime they try to use the spirit bomb to collectively solve the problem, it fails, and only can a great man, by <laughs> overcoming the limits of others, actually solve the problem. Yep. No, that's accurate. I'm pretty sure that's exactly what Akira Toriyama was going for also. so I don't think Akira Toriyama was thinking that far ahead. I don't think he ever thinks that far <laughs> ahead. He has literally forgotten his own characters. Sometimes he's like, oh, my cat's cute. I should make a god of destruction. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't say it doesn't do some awesome stuff. I just don't think he's ever thinking that far ahead. My cat hates pineapple. So what has your cat been playing, Zach? He does not exist. Oh, no. So what have you been playing, Zach? I had a cat when I was a lot younger. Oh, I vaguely remember. I never met this cat, but I do remember you saying this now that you say it. I actually have been playing a bunch of MechWarrior online because that's what I've been doing. I had a Hank when I was uh, doing the papers that I was like, ah, you know what? I feel like finding out what's been going on on the LCS. So I went and watched some League and then I started playing some League. <laughs> it's been so long, Zach. It's only been about a year. It's been so long. I remember it. When I was but a wee lad, every day I'd come to the microphones and I'd hear about Uncle Zach's tales of a league. You know, it's a very good thing you're sitting across the table from me, so I can't actually hit you. <laughs> I really want to keep that as a soundbite, so whenever Zach starts talking about League of Legends, we can just hear it. No, Uncle Zach's Legend of League. What you can't see is Tyler's life. Wife? Tyler's wife trying very hard not to laugh in the background, which is the secret to podcasting. Just try to make the people in the room laugh, and hopefully the people listening will also laugh. I've just been playing a little bit of bot games. I haven't really been getting really into League of Legends. I've just been playing a little bit of it, mainly something that I can just, you know, all right, I'm going to boot this up because I don't really feel like booting up MechWarrior Online and getting really into one of those games. Yeah, I've cons- um, considered like playing a couple rounds of uh, Spellbreak for the exact same reason, and then I just don't, because I don't want to play that game on my own. No, I can definitely see that. Today, my copy of Super Robot Wars T finally showed Huzzah! up. Have you played any of it yet? Yeah, I played the first like three levels, which are like those level zero, because I got DLC for it on my PS4. So I have the Gispensed and the other character. The dude that is dull as dishwater. Yeah, I think that's just a matter of the other character in this game, because I feel that way about the chick. Maybe. I feel like they just gave all the personality to your character and didn't leave any for the other character. He seems dull as dishwater, but like my character, yes, she's all focused about, uh, you know, money. And, but it's mainly like my bonus. If we go do this, I may get a bonus. 
See, and my character is just all about that salaryman life and putting his life for the company. And he's like, hey, this is a great business opportunity. We have to go fight them. He's like, uh, the employees have a right to defend themselves in a, in a hostile work environment. Sir, hostile work environment does not usually mean going to war. That's just because most companies don't think about the business opportunities. <laughs> my, my character seems to be all about like getting the bonus and everything like that. So it could just be a situation where that is, or it's just a situation that because your character is the one that you spend the most time with, you only see those interactions that are coming up between the two characters when they show up on screen at the same time. The last level I did was the special one that gives you the Gispensed. So I don't have like any other characters. Name? The Gispensed, it's one of the original mecha in one of the Super Robot Wars games. I think it's Super Robot Wars 3. It's the main character's unit. And they like to like throw old units into the game. That makes sense. Even a lot of times it's, you get it much earlier if you are pre-ordering the game. Yeah, so, so they have the like the card that's like, hey, you get this now instead of like I got it on level three instead of level like thirty-three, which is where I like I got the Huckabean and the uh Grungeist for Super Robot Wars V. Wait, who do you choose pilots? You in choose the mechs? Huh? Depending on the unit you can. At the start you choose a male or female protagonist. And the other one will show up in the dispense later. And, and, and they are apparently Dull's Dishwater. Yes. Uh, and there are some pilot changing you can do. Most of the Universal Century characters can go into any Universal Century unit. They default in whatever they're from. Okay. All the Mazinger units in this game can switch pilots, although I don't really know why you would. Same with the Ara Battler characters. But for the most part, you are encouraged to keep pilots in their mech. A lot of times there are good moves that only the traditional pilot can use. That makes sense. Yeah, so I have Tetsuya and then the two Super Robot Wars original characters. I don't have any of the other ones at the moment, but that's because I started the game before I came over to record, and uh, it's a long drive, so didn't get a whole lot of time to play it. I mean, it's fun. I'm enjoying myself. Or I enjoyed the few, the couple of levels I got the opportunity to play. The one that threw me off on this one is it has the traditional PlayStation controls, or at least the traditional American PlayStation controls. So X is select. X is confirm, circle is cancel, whereas gotcha. the other two that are, I think the other three that I have are circle is confirm, X is cancel. I didn't even notice that, but I can switch between those pretty well. I played enough JRPGs in my youth that I just have to go with whatever yeah. it is. I was going to say in my youth that used to throw me off the first couple times. Well, usually it throws me off when like, I'm playing a lot of V or X and I switch out of the game and I go to like put my PS4 into rest mode and I go to put it into rest mode and then I hit circle to confirm and I back out <laughs> instead of confirming. That's why it came up and I went, oh, they it's flipped from what this has been in the past. Do any of us know why that got changed? For the US market? Yeah. Okay, so the PlayStation controller was designed with international symbols. X is the international symbol for cancel. Yes. Circle is the international symbol for, like, go on. I agree. But on a standard NES controller, A is in the position where X is, and that's usually the... Confirm. Yeah. Okay, but Japan also had the NES. Yes, but they just decided that they were going to go with that in the American market for whatever reason. And where Sony of Japan was more, let's stick with our control scheme. And honestly, at this point, you're not going to change much of that because also when the Xbox released, they put the A in that same position. So then that's their traditional confirm button. And I also think it actually has more to do with American developers than like Sony of America being like, this is going to be our standard. American developers were just like, we're going to put the confirm button where it's always been, which is X on this controller. 
not knowing that like circle because like x is cancel is pretty common knowledge circle is confirm or continue is less yeah yeah i didn't until Jeremy had mentioned that to me at one point when I was talking to him way back when for Super Robot Wars V and me complaining that Circle was confirmed and he mentioned that, I didn't even realize that Circle was supposed to be confirmed on something. Because there's also the... I, I was If you look at a power switch, for example, you see it there. But I just always thought of it as like X's checkmark and just X has always been confirmed on the PlayStation so it wasn't something I paid much attention to. I didn't think the symbols really meant anything. Because well, I mean, square is obviously the universal symbol for extraneous, and triangle is a universal symbol for menu. It's the universal <laughs> symbol for change, because it's a delta. Ah. Now, is it a capital or lowercase delta? Sure. There were a lot of things done with this version for the American market that haven't been done in the past. The big one, to me, is that it's called the Burning Gundam and not the God Gundam, and the attack is Burning Finger rather than God Finger. Oh, they changed that? Which is a pretty that? small change, but... That is 100% just because it's in the American dub. Ain't no Southeast Asian version of Gundam where it's the burning Gundam. They changed that? Which means now it's going to be the Dark Gundam? What was it even called? Uh, yeah, it's a reference to the Dark Gundam okay. in this game as well. Um, rather than the Devil Gundam. That's actually one of those funny things because if you watch the if you watch G Gundam, there's actually like a point where one of the big bads is looking at like a model of the burning Gundam slash God Gundam, and it's still on the base says God. Yeah. Instead of burning, they didn't change it. It still says God on it. There are a couple instances like that. It really threw me off, though, because they call it the Shuffle Union instead of the Shuffle Alliance. And I'm like, this is a fine translation, but you made all these other changes. And now it's like, yes, we shall be together as the Shuffle Union. I'm like, um, it was a little more like a voting block when you say it like that. And a little less like a fighting force. I totally got the feeling when you mentioned that of the Shuffle Union of them all getting together and being like, okay, we want to work on this contract. We will only fight from the hours of 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. There are lots of contract negotiations in this game, which I love. I mean, it does make <laughs> sense because your characters are running this weird, like, company within a company that's trying to be profitable. Slash make this cool mech. I haven't figured out what your, your co-pilot is yet, but I do kind of love your co-pilot being like, wait, we're going to fight? I don't want to fight. I don't want to pilot the mech. No, get in the mech. You're, you're helping me. Yeah. <laughs> like I said, my business opportunities, sir, business opportunities not usually involve explosions or being shot at. Or... So wait, is the main character like at least a higher up in the company? That your can... character is the manager of your okay. detachment. Okay. And also the, like, primary pilot. Although in mine, it was like, the, one of them, like, I don't want to fight. Like, the safest place is right here because they pay overtime. <laughs> and if it's after 10 p.m., they pay night pay. There's definitely a bit later on where my character's like, no, this is no good. I'm supposed to be on injured leave, and yet I'm in the cockpit, so I'll have to bill this as overtime. And I might get in trouble later. <laughs> this is no good at all. I get, I, <laughs> like, Sir, you should be in the hospital. That is why this is no good. <laughs> I get the feeling that my character would say something along the lines of, uh, I can, this is awesome. I can bill this as overtime. Because like I said, my character's all about a bonus. And they both have nicknames. I don't know if they came up for yours, but the, the guy's nickname is like the demon in a tie. Yes. Or something like that. The demon in the, and a necktie. And I can't remember what hers Mine is, is the, the, my girl's is like the fallen angel. And that one I'm not entirely certain of, but. Yeah, like, demon she in seemed, a necktie She though. seems very, very mercenary. Like, so long as I get paid, I don't really care. But if I get paid, which makes a lot of sense to me. 
Whereas my guy's like a super company man. He's like, I need to uh, drill the virtues of the company into your mind, Kohai. <laughs> so far, it's been fun. I'm a little sad that the Cross Ange characters didn't get a third game, but at the same time, I'm looking forward to getting the G Gundam characters and the Gun X Sword characters. And quite honestly, it's okay because I did use the hell out of those characters when in the games they were in. I'm still a little annoyed that Might Gain came back because I really don't like the Might Gain characters. Yeah, who are the Might Gain fans out there? Uh, I, I mean, they're I'm, probably in Japan. That I'm assuming was it, a '90s show. So. I'm assuming it's a really, it's a much bigger thing in Japan. I'm not upset that it was included in a game. I'm, I'm annoyed that it's been in three of them. It does make thematic sense here because that's about a kid who owns a company and runs a company. So at least they have those connections. I wonder who is like sitting around pitching the meta plots for these games. Because this one's pretty bonkers. This to me. one is so. by far the best one they've had in a little while. <laughs> v wasn't too bad. It was about AIs that were trying to determine why humans made good mechs. <laughs> it was. A... Wait, did that one also feature Gurren Logan? Because I no, feel like that's thematically appropriate. No, but... In that one, um, it was more about your ally was trying to determine basically what made people human. And what, so, like, why going are these through spirals it, so good at mechs? Well, trying to like understand. Um, understand love is one of the things that comes up at the very end because that's when it's got the scene of all the like the characters with the relationships being like yes you don't understand love because of this this is all this stuff and uh, i can't remember the character of mazinger but mazinger the koji Koji mazinger character was like yes i love the earth so much i'm going to beat the (laughs) stun out of you meanwhile his girlfriend is like come on koji Uh, a major plot of this one because it's based on mazinger infinity is that Koji, it's been 25 years and he still has not asked her to marry him. And everybody's like, Koji, come on. And at one point, Vaughn is like, it's it. You're getting married. (laughs) You're doing this. You don't get a choice anymore. It must be done. Like I said, I'm pretty sure Vaughn is a little bit older than your traditional mecha protagonist. But number one makes a lot of sense. And number two, that's hilarious. And also everybody's like, Domon and Rain, your confession of love. It made me believe in romance again. And they're like, "Uh, uh, I guess everyone in the world did see that. Yeah. Um, anyway, I gotta go. Is, is Is that Shiro dude from the movie then? Yes, he's, well, he is Koji's brother in all versions, but usually he's like 10. So. Okay, so he doesn't actually have a mech usually. Yes. All right, because he showed up and I'm like, that's a Mazinger, but that's not Koji. No, it's just Koji's brother. And then I couldn't remember if Tet- if it was Tetsuya or Koji that was like the, the main Mazinger dude, because I can never keep them straight since I never actually used them. <laughs> or watch Mazinger, or heard of Mazinger, or <laughs> well, now I've actually heard of Mazinger, and I've yeah. interacted with it because it's in it's been in V and X, but it's one of those things that it's only those two units because they're they, kind of the only ones. Well, and they don't like really overtake the plot in the way that the Might Gain stuff has in the other two games. That's really it. Is that in both of those games, Might Gain has been a major plot line. They get a little bit more focus here, but that's just because they just had a movie. They certainly get more than Might Gain, which so far has only had one level. That said, that guy who is in charge of a video game and Mike, spoilers for Might Game, it's all a video game in the end. Okay. So they like taking advantage of that. And that guy hasn't shown up and I feel like he will, but he hasn't yet. And there was like a ninja transformer Gao Gaigar unit that's on like the first <laughs> level that shows up and is like, yo. I'm leaving now. I will take this information about your mecha to the other people so that we can buy it later. Or potentially buy it later. Because you're like a pilot. Your main pilot's mech is the one that they're working on to be like the next mass produced unit. And that's what the other guy is pilot. The Gispensed is also supposed to be the other one. It's the competitor. Yeah, it's the competing mass produced unit. Yeah, In theory. So, I mean, so far I'm really enjoying it. I mean, it's not saying a whole lot, but. 
So am I, I'll, is that all you have, Zach? Uh, pretty much, other than like I'm still playing all of my usual phone games. Memorial Freeze is crossing over with Data Live at the moment, which I find really funny. I mean, it makes a lot of sense, but it's still funny. That's pretty much all I've been playing is Super Robot Wars <laughs> I'm almost done with it. I don't really want to say anything that's too spoilery because Zach's playing it. There's some pretty good stuff. There was a really good thing where when Captain Bright makes Ace Pilot and all of them, he's like, well, I'm a ship captain. So it weird, feels weird being called an Ace Pilot. But I guess that's how the mechanics of Super Robot Wars work. And this one, the president's like, well, I did consider just getting you a number one dad mug. <laughs> I still know at least, I, I, I think at least four of the units I'm going to use just all the time unless they get put on diverging paths. But that's because I really like those characters, not because I think their mecha are going to be really, really good. Is it the gun sword characters? Yes. All four of them? Probably. Maybe not Nero, because I don't know that I like his mech. Yeah, Nero is the character who has the least kills of all of the characters I have, which is a lot. Um, I mean, I do love their concept, but if it's not like the actual super robot that has all four of them in it, then I'm kind of not interested. <laughs> the other three, though, are all pretty good. Um, Priscilla has some problems, but I think if you invest in her, she could be pretty decent. Would you recommend watching Gun X Sword? You've seen it, right? I asked him the same question, and his answer did not inspire confidence. Okay. It's, that said, Mechanical Horse on our Discord really likes it, so I, it's I'm not, considering it. It's not terrible. Honestly, I really like it. It's got a very Weird West aesthetic to it. I like Weird West. And like I said, I enjoy it, so if you enjoy those kind of Weird West, including Mecha, then yeah, I'd say it's worth checking out if you can find it. You know, I don't think I've ever seen any Weird West media that isn't outside of, like, written fiction, except that one movie with Will Smith. I feel like Trigun is. Oh, okay. Trigun's Weird yeah, West. Yeah, no, Trigun's Weird West, you're um, right. I mean, that there might are, be the only other one, though. There are a lot of fun moments in Gun X Sword that, unfortunately, you wouldn't be able to translate into uh, Super Robot Wars T, but at the same time... Playing Super Robot Wars T has made me kind of want to watch it, and made me really want to watch Gunbuster. I've never even heard of Gunbuster. It's the series the guy who did Evangelion did that they're like, you can do Evangelion now. Its full title is Aim for the Top Gunbuster okay. because the biggest influences on it were Aim for the Ace, a tennis manga about girls playing tennis and Top Gun. <laughs> and isn't that where the, the Gynax bounce came from? Oh yeah, that's where the idea that Gynax likes to uh, animate bouncing boobs came from as well. Oh, well. Huh. I mean, that sounds like maybe a thing I should watch just based on the inspirations, but... It's also by far the most broken mech in Super Robot Wars T. It just doesn't take damage. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> yeah, it's got an inertial canceller. And so usually uh, when it gets attacked, it's just like inertial canceller. Zero. Occasionally it's inertial canceller. 1,000 out of <laughs> 1,200 HP. You mean 12,000 HP? Yeah, that is what I meant. Yeah, I saw you realizing you made that mistake. Because yep. it's like, it do It never takes damage until it dies. No, that is the Armored Trooper Votoms units. No, which, that may, that makes sense from what they look like. Which are incredibly glass cannon. That, that is what they looked like when I saw them on like the trailer. They looked like they were going to be very, very glass cannon Well, very fragile. I didn't know if they'd be really, really powerful in terms of damage, but they looked like they were going to be fragile. Well, I think this has answered what game I should play next. Yeah, I got you that. But since you haven't started it yet, what have you been playing, Tyler? No, because I wanted to finish my other long-term game first. But hey, guess what? I finished it like last night or the night before. So I've put Assassin's Creed Odyssey to bed. I finished all three main quest lines. Um, I think I did them in the wrong order because I spoilers. Do we, do we care about spoilers for Assassin's Creed no, Odyssey? I don't. Um, if you do, skip forward. Yeah, if you do, now's the time to wait a few seconds. So I don't know how much you know about Assassin's Creed's meta plot. As little as I can, being a huge Evangelion fan. Okay. 
Moral of the story, there's like a precursor race and they have vague time travel powers, kind of. But they have such good vague time travel powers that they can actually go and talk to people whose lives they know are going to be re-experienced through the Animus machine. Moral of the story is they're giving the main character, who is not the character you're playing, but also kind of the character you're playing, the meta character. Hints through the game she's playing to go find this thing. Is Assassin's Creed just an ARG? I think it might be. <laughs> okay, um, go on. This no, sounds really dumb. No, it's actually kind of cool. Like, this is actually the game that has made me care about Assassin's Creed's meta plot the most of any of the games thus far, because there's not a lot of it. There's, like, maybe four things where you pop out of the machine, and then you have to go Assassin's Creed, except as a modern human, up to, like, one thing, push a button, and then jump back down and hop back into the machine. A lot of the other way you get meta plot is one of the quest lines is you have to seal the gates to Atlantis by destroying the key, basically. Are you sure you're not talking about Kingdom Hearts? Go on. Yes. Uh, the key is uh, a, blade. A, a blade that you pull out of your own chest. Uh, no, it's uh, the staff of Hermes Trismegistus. Okay, you were mentioning this last week. Or was I guess I? last episode. The, the staff of Hermes? Yes, specifically that. And we, were, we had a discussion about what it was called. Huh. I just edited this. Yeah, no, I believe you. I don't remember talking about this. Moral of the story, it makes you immortal for some reason. And the ending of that main quest line is old Cassandra in a business suit comes and gives you a talking to, and then she hands it to the main character, and she's like, my job here is done, and then she immediately dies. Which is, to be fair, what happened to the person you took it from, so. Again, sounds very Evangelion. Yeah, so I did that one first, and that really seems like the one we should have ended with, because now we know Cassandra lives at the end of her own quest line. Um, I got the happy ending. I got everyone who could possibly be important to the plot line to live, and then all have dinner together at the end, and that was the happy ending, is they all had dinner in, like, an uneasy tension. That's so. what happiness is, right? Just having <laughs> dinner with people you know? Yeah, pretty much, actually. <laughs> so at the end of it, I had... So apparently your own mother can disown you if you don't try hard enough to try to save your brother and or sister, I guess, depending on... That hits awkwardly close to home. Yeah. (laughs) Yep. Um, uh, Also, your own brother and or sister will usually end up dead. Like, the way they are not at dinner is if you don't do well enough, but also did well enough to convince your mom that you're trying, he kills her. And then you can either kill him or fail to kill him. And... If you fail to kill him, he will still show up to dinner in some situations. <laughs> so <laughs> That's fun. Um, That's awkward. Yep. Your dad, who you have a choice to kill or not at the very beginning, he's like, look, man, I, f- I threw you off a mountain. I'm sorry about that. But look, you got strong because of it. Well, actually, he threw your other sibling off a mountain because of a prophecy, but it turns out that the prophecy was the work of a cult, who I think eventually become the Knights Templar in the Assassin's Creed universe. That makes sense, I'm pretty sure. And then you you start founding the Order of the Assassins, I guess. I don't know, you're not really an assassin. You're more a person who gets paid to stab people for money. You don't necessarily do it sneakily. And so you're a, you're a mercenary. Yeah, you are actually a mercenary. That is your profession in this game. Which is actually kind of great because it's an open world game, so you do a lot of not sneaking. Oh, also, your adoptive brother, who is named Stentor, who I think was an actual historical figure. He's a jerk. But he came to dinner, and then he wrestled my brother, who was like three times his size. It was hilarious. And then the main character gets up and is like, I'll just pour everyone more wine. (laughs) That'll solve this problem. I figure what the other plot line is. I don't know. Um, Clearly not that important. Yeah, no, I think it was... Did he save Sparta from the Persians? That was a hundred years earlier or something. (laughs) Um, No, instead, I doomed Athens to the Spartans. Okay, The way history actually happens. That is actually historical. Yeah, no, the, the reason in this game that that happens is that they're both being controlled by the aforementioned cult, 
and you and your mother are both from Sparta, and you're like, well, we need to get rid of the cult, but we're both Spartans, so let's make Sparta clean first, so you go literally just stab one of the two Spartan kings in the back, and then basically usurp the throne, and then wage war on Athens. So <laughs> that's how history worked. Sure, why not? That um, sounds history to me. Yeah, that sounds pretty history. So I finally finished that game, and I was considering, like, what game to pick up next, and I was trying to choose between Tales of Bazuria because that's been sitting in my backlog for a while. I should really make a spreadsheet. I, I have a, one. I had a list, but it got lost to the Sands of Time. Yeah, after I played Sands of Time, it literally just disappeared. But you guys are playing Super Robot Wars T, and I think I should strike while that cultural iron is hot. Yeah, it's so. much better when you can talk about it with us instead of suffering it on your own because the gameplay is not all that hot. Although being <laughs> your first one, you might like it. I'm just getting to the point where everybody I have considered using is now an ace. So I, I can't just like have a mission where I'm like, Chibity's only level 20 and everyone else is level 43. Time to ace him in one mission by just having him kill everybody bouncing around multi-actioning again and again and again and occasionally bright will say up oh, you ran out of turn i'll give you another one because i am bright <laughs> and that is my power <laughs> i play them because of the ridiculous plot lines yeah me seeing too how they crash everything together because like jeremy said the gameplay of super robot wars games ain't stellar but they're fun because it's fun to see how they crash all these universes yeah. together. And that's mostly what I've heard is that it's mostly like a visual novel featuring mechs. Yes. Um, and I'm into that. Occasionally you do a mech tactical battle and it's like, oh no, the space monsters and the Kikaiju and the DG cells ate the Zonder metal. <laughs> <laughs> and the Martians. <laughs> and Neo Zeon. And Spike will occasionally be like, how did I get here? How? <laughs> I don't, how is Bebop even involved in this game? I'm so confused. Spike's uh, got his ship. I guess. It's not really like a combat ship. I still, hey. I still find it really funny that the uh, in this game, your characters are almost more skilled and more dangerous outside of their mechs than they are in their mechs. Just because just of the coup the cast is, like Domoon and... Domoon and the <laughs> Shuffle Alliance and Vaughn is incredibly skilled out of his mech. Spike. This is kind of a spoiler for Zach. I kind of want to pause the podcast. I think we're going to be done pretty quick and just show you all of Spike's attacks because there's one in particular <laughs> that's so good. I've seen a bunch of them on the trailers. Yeah, I don't think you've seen this one. I'm pretty sure they kept this one close to the chest. Maybe not. It's not... I mean, I'm okay with this. Okay, I'm gonna pause. So we watched that, and I don't know that answers how Spike is, like, hanging out with, say, the G Gundam and Mazinger and Getter Robo and Gunbuster and contributing, but... Contributing and... is maybe not the right word. I can see why Spike is there as a person. Well, yeah, he gets all the bounties on all the people. Exactly, that yeah. It's part of his contract. And he's <laughs> writing on the Arcadia. Because the Arcadia's captain has a massive bounty on him. <laughs> I, I was talking to Jeremy about that before my copy came in. Apparently that's why Spike joins you is because you already have the Arcadia's captain helping you out and his bounty is huge. Spike's like, I want this bounty. And eventually Spike's just like, God damn it, I want a contract. I want health insurance if I'm going to be helping you guys out. And then he's like, this contract owned my ass. I should not have done this. The, their accountant was terrifying. The accountant is... Uh... Is it one of your party yeah, members? It's the one with glasses. Okay, I couldn't remember. It's not the dude with glasses. No, no, it's the chick with glasses. Who takes pictures of boys and sells them for money for your team? What? This is really? Thing that happens at multiple uh, points. You know how sometimes there are optional objections, uh, objectives it doesn't tell you about, and you get some extra attack points at the end? Mm -hmm. There are also ones for money in this, and they're all like men in salacious situations. It's like, yep, this will be at, worth, at least worth T10,000 to my contacts. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that is pretty good. I, I just, on mine, because of that, all of my characters are like, is there something wrong with that person? 
specifically talking about my character. And it's like, wait, what are you talking about? Because you have the misfits. That, that is your group, is the misfits, basically. Yeah, president of the company is like, all the very talented people that don't uh, get along with people, we have to exile to this branch so they can get everything done. <laughs> uh, that's how it works in real companies, actually. <laughs> yeah, he's a very good president. <laughs> I'm not sure how that makes me feel, but then again, I barely talk to anybody I work with, so yeah, do I and count? you get all the stuff done, right? I do get things done. Yeah, see? Anything else, Tyler? I played some Gungeon recently, and I didn't learn this until, at, like, I just randomly said, okay, I'm going to go burn myself out on Gungeon again. And then I did, and I learned this morning that they put out a new update for it. So, oops. I've been stimmied in my attempt to get Elite with every Smash character recently. I, who is holding you up? Everyone. No, oh. Falco, who I'm actually pretty good at, but I keep going, I'm tired of one-on-ones. I should go play some, like, just whatever the heck. And it's usually doubles, and then my partner is trash absolute trash and the lab should be like a million gsp lower than me i'm like how did i get matched with this person hey to be fair they've got to be better than me it seems very sakurai no. to just have the modes be one-on-ones and whatever the hex it's like <laughs> it's like one-on-one whatever the hex <laughs> yeah, it actually allows you to specify pretty I'm high sure levels of granularity that doesn't necessarily mean you'll get the match you wanted but it's actually pretty likely you'll get the match you asked for now they kind of fix how the matchmaking worked yeah, Tyler, I can't imagine people being worse than me. You're not that bad. I am an opportunist. I look a lot better because I don't fight fair. Yeah, so my, my least favorite thing is that usually if you're like sitting there waiting for a match and it doesn't find a fourth person, but it did find a third person, especially at lower tiers where like people kind of suck more at the game, one person will just stand on the edge, not doing anything. I'm like, well, screw you. So I'm always in the middle, running back and forth, engaging both of them in the fight, and trying to, like, throw them at each other. This actually backfired because I was kicking both of their asses so thoroughly recently that they actually just, like, sat at the edge of the map, like, turned to each other, and, because you can't taunt in this game, teabagged at each other, and then never attacked each other again for the rest of the match and just tried to assassinate me. Oh, it turned it into a... It, if you can't find a, th a fourth person, just turns it into a free-for-all? Uh, not necessarily, but yeah, usually. Um, I mean, I do try and do that in some of the, like, big messes that we were doing, but, like, when most of them I still tried to get involved, I just was trying to do it in such a way that I would avoid getting myself into trouble. Yeah, I, I feel like a lot of people care much more about winning, especially now that there are numbers attached to it, than actually playing the game. So, like, they'll literally just sit on the edge of the map for five minutes as long as no one interacts with them, uh, which is why I drag them into combat. I suck at Smash, so if I were to play it online, it would just be to try and play the game. You because know, I'm terrible, so winning isn't really a concern. I mean, you say you're terrible, and I, I will say you're not the best person I have ever played Smash with, but you're not bad. I have played people who are just abjectly awful, and, like, I don't understand. Like, they're just so bad, I cannot understand how they cannot be this bad. I don't know. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense. So speaking of so bad, anything <laughs> so else, bad. Tyler? So bad. Nope, that's it. So speaking of so bad, we played Sonic 3 this week, which is not the worst Sonic game we've played. <laughs> I mean, you're not wrong, but this does really reinforce that Sonic 2 on the Genesis was a fluke. Yeah, especially since this is kind of middle of the pack. I'd say we'll see where it ranks when we get to that part of the podcast, but... 
I mean, I that, that was it. That was the entire discussion. I guys. wonder if they just like had one really good game like every five to ten years because then twi- Sonic Adventure Two was really good. The secret of Sonic Adventure Two is that it's just Dragon Ball Z, and it's also not <laughs> really good. The Sonic and Shadow levels are pretty good. It does make you play through those mediocre Knuckles and Rouge levels and those terrible Eggman and Tails levels as well. I guess I don't really remember those because I've. I, my brother was the one that played most of that game, and I just played mostly the Sonic and Shadow levels. I was going to say, would the Sonic and Shadow levels be as good as they were without the corrupted... Like, would you want to play an entire game that's just like the rail grinding? No, which is why they did those other modes. But when I play that game now, I just do level select and I just do the Sonic and Shadow levels. No, that's fair. They are like, the best. Also, didn't that one have the like truck escape at the yes, beginning? City Escape is a yeah. good level. No, that's Sonic's a really very good, level. good at good first level. Like if you just take the first level of every Sonic game, that's the best Sonic game. Yeah, no, it's actually that, per- it's probably- called Sonic Generations. <laughs> I, I did like that first level of that game. Not Sonic 3, though. Sonic 3's first level is fine, but it's not super good. And then it just goes downhill from there. I was going to say, before we get too far into it, we should specify, for those who weren't paying attention, this is not Sonic and Knuckles. No. If you want to hear some development history, the plan was for this game to be Sonic and Knuckles, and then they went over budget and over time, and had to ship this, and later shipped Sonic and Knuckles as a different game, which is why Sonic and Knuckles has the attached gimmick it has, where you can plug Sega Genesis cartridges in it. I mean, it's kind of a cool gimmick, but at the same time, I mean, if you're planning on doing it a different way, because it also, that, that same way, may, uh, the same feature lets you also play, like, Sonic 2 with Knuckles. Yeah. Yep. It was a really cool idea, accidentally. Yes. So, Sonic 3, it's more Sonic. There are some vast improvements right at the start, such as saves. Yep, this yeah. game has save features, and it's actually a really long game, by comparison to some of the other Sonic games we've played. I mean, that is definitely a bonus, or that, that is a good idea. And at the start, you can choose to play as Sonic and Tails if you want Tails to steal all your oxygen bubbles on the water levels. <laughs> Sonic, if you don't, or Tails if you're playing correctly. Yeah, no, I mean, obviously Tails. But the real problem with this game, we've be- we're being a little facetious. It's pretty mediocre to bad, and it's not the worst game we've ever played. The problem is the level design, which is not ever good and frequently very unfriendly and frustrating. Well, because it, it the reason why is because that... Sonic and even platformers in general are something that are much better when you're actually moving quickly through them and able to do that. There's a lot of like having to pause because of the fact that you need to wait for a platform or you need to jump over something or a a spring is in a really awkward spot that sends you flying in a direction you didn't want to go because it like bounces you backwards and that's not somewhere you need to go. So you need to jump over it. But, you know, having to go backwards and then come back around is really annoying. Yeah, way, way back in episode two of this podcast, we did Sonic the Hedgehog. Please don't go back and listen to that. But we said many of the same things. Do it. The level design just feels like it's made to frustrate you. Because Sonic especially, platformer games are all about a momentum. They're always about trying to go as quickly as you can. But Sonic, it's even more so because you have that acceleration, which makes you feel like you're going faster. But in reality, Sonic is slower than Mario because he has to accelerate the speed. Mario kind of does too, but Mario's like... Walking speed is faster than Sonic's. He gets a top speed faster, too. I think really the thing is because Sonic's acceleration, the time it takes to get to top speed with Sonic is long enough that it feels like a huge loss every time you lose that momentum. Yeah, and that's why you want to really reinforce it. I mean, in Sonic 2, there are a bunch of, or the first few levels, there's a lot of space where you can get up to speed and it feels really, really good. But in this one, like the first couple levels, you can't. And when you can, it feels really set PC. There's a bit in the second part of the first level 
where you're just running away from this bomber. And as long as you're holding right, the bombs won't catch up to you, which is a cool idea. But gameplay wise, literally all you're doing is holding right and checking your email and uh, <laughs> waiting for the segment to be over while Tails is bombed into oblivion because the AI cannot keep up with you because it'll keep stopping and starting. And because it's a set piece, I actually got hit by it because I didn't realize that it was just a set piece and I wasn't supposed to try and dodge the bombs. Yeah, I got hit by it. I too. thought I was going to need to try and dodge them. And the second world, which is a water level, and we'll get to that in a minute, trust me. There's this. Why did they bring it out for the second Well, I mean, technically, I was thinking about that, and technically speaking, so is Chemical Plant Zone in, this, in Sonic 2. But it's but less of a water it's level. It's less, less of a water level, and it's really only if you made a mistake. And even then, you can still move really quickly through that level when you're underwater. But there's a segment in there where you're just running on top of the water, which is fun, and you're going fast, but it feels like this weird break in the middle as opposed to any of the gameplay because the thing they were always bad about even in sonic 2 which is the good one of these games is figuring out how to make gameplay while you're running really fast for the most part it's just you making really snap jump decisions and it's a lot about memorizing the level to know when you should jump to keep on the high path which isn't a terrible idea especially in a game like sonic 2 where if you die you have to go back to the beginning and you restart and you get another chance at those levels but when you add a save feature you're not repeating the levels as often so that memorization doesn't work as well. If you get a game over, you do have to start at the beginning of the world, which most of them have two acts. I think there are some three-act ones later. So you will get to redo some of those, but it just feels like more of a chore, even though you're losing less progress because of how bad the levels are in general. <laughs> it feels like a lot of make work. Like, do it again because we said so. Not so much do it again because I want to do it again and get better at it. To be fair, isn't that like what a lot of video games are is like we do it again because you say so? Yeah, especially older ones like this. But again, like I said, in Sonic 2, it was fun to learn new paths. In Mario, the old ones, I find it fun to try to get better at those, see how quickly you can get through them. And the warp zones in Mario go a long way to alleviating and, that. And uh, they're also shorter levels. And for example, like a lot of the games like Dark Souls, Sekiro, and even Devil May Cry 5. Yeah, I lost. I died on those games and I had to do them again. But it was fun. Yeah, but it forced you to do them again, I guess is my point. I mean, kind of, but I, because of the way the game was designed, I wanted to do them again because I wanted, to I wanted to play the game more. Yeah, the trick, as we talked about with games like Castlevania, is to make you think, oh, I could have had that if I just done it a little differently. And then you really want to fight to that moment again. If I did Sonic thing, doesn't create that for yeah, you. If I yeah. did thing X, if, if I did Y at point Z, it would, I would have done it. You activate your Bakugan and you see the pattern. Yes. And let's talk about the water a minute, because especially in a game like Sonic, I don't understand why they throw a water level when all that happens to Sonic in water is you have to oxygen you have to deal with and you move slower. <laughs> the thing that Sonic shouldn't be doing. I understand the like impulse to put water in as a level variety thing, but Sonic is one of the worst games at it because all it does is slow you down. Well, I there's an ice level later. Honestly, a water level makes a lot of sense later on in the game once you've kind of hit your stride as it is as it were because then you can have it as a, a change of pace yeah, and throw you up. off yeah it's a mix-up but not level two and also there's just a lot of stuff i realized mario doesn't do while i was playing this the big one is platforms that can crush you because a lot of act two has these spirally pillars that go side to side and they will crush you against the scenery if you're not careful. Mario would never do that. They would always stop short of you or stop short of where they would need to crush you. Or they just wouldn't create a thing like that where it's like, oh, the logical conclusion is you get crushed. Because feeling crushed in Sonic never feels like a good death. 
it always feels cheap because what we talked about when we did Gradius is what games really need is moments where you feel very strong and moments where you feel very weak. And Sonic, you feel strong when you have rings and you feel incredibly weak that moment you get hit and need to recollect them. And it's binary. Yes, which I actually don't think is a bad thing because you're strong until you get that hit. But Unless you're crushed. Yeah, crushing bypasses that. And also the ring recollection physics in this game feel really floaty. You can tell that they can get more rings on screen than they could in two, which is really cool. But it feels like they have almost hit invincibility the way you do a lot of (laughs) times. And like you just pass through them. And it's incredibly frustrating. Or at the very least, while you are invincible, you can't collect rings. Because that's what I noticed is like, as soon as I stopped flashing, then I could pick up rings again. Yep. And it feels like if you time it so that when you're not flashing, you hit them, you will get them. But it just feels really unsatisfying. And it's all for making that a little harder. But that's not a good way to do it. Yeah, having to uh, fight with the actual ability to collect them is not the way to go about doing that. Also, the main new mechanic they've introduced is if you hit A while you're jumping, you get this little like spike shield around you, which lets them do more with you attacking. There are more enemies that are kind of invincible-ish if you hit them, but will fall to that shield. There's also some bad clarity. I should have brought this up. There are enemies on World 3 that are spiky. If you jump on them while you're spinning, you will bounce off them. Yep. Uh, Seriously? Yeah. Yeah, which is like, no, Mo, Mario has taught us that when you jump on spikes, you die because that's the reasonable thing to happen. (laughs) Well, even then, because like even Sonic, there are spikes in the game. And if you land on spikes, you get hurt. Yep. Yeah. You lose your rings. And then if you land on them again, you die. But same thing. Spikes are bad. bad. But anyway, also, there are three types of shields in this game instead of just one. There's a water shield, which makes it so you don't eat oxygen underwater. So it's a godsend. And if you hit A in the air, you'll do this bounce attack. Also, certain projectiles bounce off. You don't worry. That's inconsistent. (laughs) Sounds like a lot of those things in the game. There's a lightning shield, which will attract rings to you magnetically, which is kind of cool, and also lets you do this almost double jump that sends out some sparks, which is kind of cool. Yeah, I like that one a lot. It's fun. And there's a flame shield that lets you do the flame attack from Kirby, which is useful for some platforming because you can get some vertical distance in the air. They're all pretty cool, but because there are so many things that feel like they're cheap hits in this game, they, you they can't kinda, really rely on them. Yeah, I was just saying they go away pretty quickly because one hit hits. knocks them out. Yeah, oh, which is the same with being fire having fireballs in Mario, but Mario the hits always feel fairer. Most of the things in Mario are going to run into you to or, deal or damage. Or have very obvious projectiles. Or yeah, I was just I was thinking that most of the most of them are literally they have to run into you to actually deal damage, and so can see them coming. For the most part, yeah, I mean, yeah, there are hell. some. There are some instances where I got a little bit of that feeling of why the how the hell did that hit me? But usually, it was one of those where it's like, how the hell did that hit me? Oh, it's because it's that cannon over there that I didn't see. Is there anything else we want to say about this game other than it was very disappointing? <laughs> so, to its credit, I will say it actually looks pretty damn good. Um, That's true, and it sounds good. And it sounds good. The the music's so pretty solid. Like Sonic music in general is pretty solid, and this game is no exception. And it looks pretty good. Knuckles so. is a cool character. Whenever he's snickering at you and about to do something bad to you, that's always <laughs> fun. And he has a great theme to help with that. It's just Th- uh, those were the things I could say in its favor. It just feels bad to play. It so does. It it really does feel poor to play. Like I was actually telling these guys off the mics on Steam. Like the best thing about this game was actually like the emulator shell that was just like a room that had like a faux Genesis that put your emulator cartridge in the Genesis and started it that way. I really hope any additional Sega games in the future, they just continue to add to that library. I think that's the intention because on that where I had that on Steam, it's actually listed as a DLC. So I think it's kind of like a Sega Classics 
thing where most of those games are just associated and put into that emulator shell. Gotcha. What I'll say about it is that I didn't have a Sega Genesis growing up. I would play Sonic occasionally at Friends, but when I really played Sonic was on the GameCube, Adventure 2, and then also Mega Collection. And I remembered playing this one in Sonic 2 the most, but I really played a lot more Sonic 2, even though it didn't have saves. And in hindsight, I didn't really remember why, but now I know exactly why. And it's because <laughs> 2 just plays so much better. I had a Genesis growing up, and I played mostly Mutant League Hockey and Sonic 2, actually. You know, despite us hating that game, I feel like I probably would have played a lot of Golden Axe. I, I probably would have too. if I had it, but I didn't have that many games when I was a kid. All right, so speaking of games we had as a kid, we have a list on our website, www.lastpodcast.com, listing all the games we've played from best to worst. At the top is Chrono Trigger. A uh, game with no Sonics in it. Although there is a Sonic attack that I think Robo gets. And you do have to go fast at one point. <laughs> it's so fast that you DeLorean. At the bottom is City Connection, another game where you have to go fast sometimes. But it's never fun. Another game with bad game feel, actually. Yep. And in the middle is Harvest Moon for the Super Nintendo. Another game with not great game feel, actually. But also oh, for not the Super Nintendo. Yeah. But also it doesn't matter as much because... Because that's not really what it's going for. Yeah. That's more like a it's, tactics and planning thing. It's more about the loop than it is the moment-to-moment -moment gameplay. So we have to start at Sonic 2, way up number 27. We're unanimous, but it's not really <laughs> as good. Yeah. Right? Nowhere yeah. close. Quite a ways down at number 110, we have Sonic CD. And Sonic CD feels much closer to 2 to me. The game feel feels a lot better, and the time travel gimmick, I think, is a lot more interesting than the level design things here. I actually think just the level design in Sonic CD is slightly better you guys actually, liked that one more than i did but i agree with tyler i think the level design in sonic cd is a lot better than the one we see here and i think that's a lot more important i actually like the sound design in this game more but i think the level design matters more all right so two spots below harvest moon a little below the middle of the wisp we have the original sonic the hedgehog and i think i like this better yeah it's got a lot of the same problems and it feels like they should have learned more from sonic 2 but i do think it's an improvement over the original if just for the save feature probably for a couple other reasons too it's bigger in scope. I actually think the level design is slightly better in this. Well, do I? I don't know. There's more to do in this game, if nothing else. I didn't play Sonic. One of these days. There's only like nine games on this list you didn't play. There is not nearly as much between Sonic CD and original Sonic as I thought there would be. How do we think it compares to a Mario game that we don't particularly like? Super Mario Brothers The Lost Levels. Another game with bad level design. I prefer it. I think Sonic, or I think uh, Mario The Lost Levels is just a little bit too difficult because it really feels on the side of unfair difficulty and say which it are you referring to i assume sonic based on the rest of that sentence i did say the lost levels no you said i prefer it and then you proceeded to say how the lost levels is bad so i prefer what, what, sonic 3 okay to the lost <laughs> levels because the lost levels has a lot of unfair <laughs> level design I think I prefer Lost Levels just because Mario controls a lot better than Sonic. And while there is some unfair level design, it, I never felt like I died because Mario didn't control right. Whereas there's that bit at the start of Act 2 of Level 2 where you just have to spin dash up a bunch of like curl jumps whilst a wall is coming in on you. And there were so many times where I just wasn't hitting down fast enough. And so I jumped instead of spin dashing and a wall killed me. It was so frustrating. So much I, more than like cheap level design is. I never had that problem. I'm actually going to go with Sonic on this one. So final question, is Sonic 3 better or worse than Yoshi's Island? I uh, Worse, like, a lot. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree it's worse. Yoshi's Island's not my favorite platformer, but it's got way better level design and a lot more good ideas, I think, than Sonic 3 has. Zach agrees. 
I don't have to agree or disagree because <laughs> I'm already outvoted regardless. Okay, so I mean, I think you're probably right, although Yoshi's Island is far more annoying. I will also say Yoshi's Island is more creative, if nothing else. Not necessarily in a good way, but it's more creative. So. That is true. So Sonic the Hedgehog 3 will go at number 112, above the lost levels and below Yoshi's Island. Yeah. Sounds about right. That's like I mean, it's on the it's on the top ish. half. It's on the top half. Next so time. we got that done. What are we playing next time, Jeremy? Well, it's tax season here when we're recording, and you know what taxes are on this podcast? Mega Man games. <laughs> it's been a while since we've played a Mega Man game, and we're back to an NES one. And we're almost done with them. There's only one more NES one after this, and maybe one Game Boy, maybe two more Game Boy. So we're going to play Mega Man 5. Oh man, I don't know anything about this one. This is completely uncharted territory for me now. So uh, next time on Last Time, it's no Empire Strikes Back probably, but it's probably better than Super Empire Strikes Back. This has been a Last Podcast production, copyright 2019.